morning, good afternoon or good evening, depending upon where in the world you are and what time of the day you're listening to uh, another uh, The Esk podcast. Today, going to do something slightly unusual. I normally talk about football, sometimes talk a bit about the economy and stuff. But today, I've got a really interesting guy who certainly you will probably know from social media, um, Dave Critchley, who um, shares two passions that I share, uh, food and football. Now, unfortunately, Dave is a red, but we'll get onto that probably in a little bit. Um, let's uh, let's not try and mention it too much. But what really what we wanted to talk about was uh, was food, and in particular, uh, Dave has a very um, interesting job as 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 a chef, in the sense that he's head chef uh, of uh, Luban Restaurant in London in, in London in Liverpool, sorry, which is a, a special specialist Chinese restaurant. So. Dave will no doubt describe it far better than I have. Um, yeah, let's get into the conversation. Welcome, Dave. Hi, how are you doing? You all right? Yeah, good, mate. Thank you. Good. So, how does somebody with um, such a Scouse accent as yourself, I'm sure you're Liverpool born and bred, um, yeah. end up running a yeah, a regional Chinese restaurant in in Liverpool? Yeah, good question. <laughs> it's been a, it's been a, it's been a very interesting journey. Uh, I mean, obviously, this year's been been very interesting for, yeah. for many reasons. But um, yeah, but the last twelve months has been pretty crazy for me. Um, long story short, I was um, offered a role for a brand new opening in Liverpool, which was going to be uh, a Chinese restaurant, high end. Uh, different from anything else we'd ever seen before. Uh, a chance to get out to China and learn dishes out there and bring them back to the UK and run a restaurant alongside an academy teaching people how to cook authentic Chinese food from Tianjin. Now, when you get that kind of job offer, especially in, in my industry, uh, you, you snap the hands off it. Mm-hmm. Um, what a fantastic project that sounded like. Uh, and it has been absolutely phenomenal. So I was flown out to China last year in August uh, in the middle of Chinese summer, which is quite unpleasant at sometimes. It's incredibly hot, incredibly humid, and then there's just downpours of rain randomly. It'll catch you out if you're not careful. And, uh, yeah, we spent, spent a full week with um, a master chef out in China. Um, he showed me the college showed me some techniques and then took me out to eat at some of the most fantastic restaurants I've ever been to in my life. Um, It was incredible. Um, A little place called Tianjin. I say little in in the scheme of things in China. It's very little, but it's um, seven hours to drive across from one side of the city to the other and has a population of about 15 million people. So (laughs) it's not exactly tiny. But, uh, yeah, Tianjin's near near Beijing. Most people will know kind of where Beijing is. It's up, up near the north of China. Um, yeah, it's a top right-hand and, corner. Yeah, that's right. And un- unlike um, w- what we'd normally know of Chinese food, un- un- us uneducated Brits, my- myself, definitely, my eyes were open massively. Uh, the food we're normally used to is more kind of Cantonese cuisine, uh, more from southern China. Um but yeah, what an incredible experience that was. And then after a week, we came back, uh, spent a lot of work creating menus, uh, building work in the Keynes Brewery in the Hickson's, uh, building uh, absolutely phenomenal restaurant they built there for me. And I've been in there ever since, kind of recreating what we saw out in China and trying to show people the real kind of cuisine of, of Tianjin and northern China. Um, and it's just been an incredible journey, yeah. Yeah, amazing. I think, um, obviously, a, a number of people that are listening to this will, will have been out to China and will have experienced like the different types of Chinese food. But yeah. I think unless you've been there, it's difficult to describe how different um, local Chinese food is, regional Chinese food is, to the, um, the food that's normally served in, in, in the UK. And, of course... Liverpool as a city has um, always been well served, doesn't it, by the Chinese community in, in terms of Chinatown. But as you say, most of those restaurants are uh, Cantonese by nature rather than um, anything else from, 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 the, from the mainland. 
So you, 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 when you first started as a chef, uh, what, what style of cooking did you um, engage in then? Um, uh, if anyone knows Liverpool quite well, there's a there's a pub in Chilwell called um, the Halfway House. Yeah, yeah. And uh, my first job within the industry was a weekend job, washing the dishes, peeling spuds, uh, and it was a carvery. And so it was very much a case of, yeah, pub food and carvery was, was where it all started for me. Um, I had a real, do you know what, I didn't, I didn't have an interest in that industry. I, I just kind of needed money at the time to put myself through school and college. Um, yeah, I wanted to be an, an artist, a graphic designer. Uh, I actually did go to university to study illustration for children's publishing. But the entire time I was working weekends in this uh, in the pub in Chilwell. So first taste of um, yeah cuisine of, of of any of any type really at professional level was uh, yeah pub grub, carvery, <laughs> um, yeah it was mad, absolutely mad, eye opening experience. I tell you, when as a young fifteen year old lad uh, going into that industry, going into that environment, uh, absolutely crazy, and I loved it, absolutely loved it. So. Um, finished university, came out and just carried on in kitchens and, and right. didn't look back from there, really. Great. And, you know, um, I'm just trying to think. It's a long time since uh, I, I've had Chinese food. In, actually, it's not a long time since I've had Chinese food in, in Liverpool because I've had in your restaurant, even though you didn't know I was there. Um, yeah. <laughs> <Deep> <laughs> <risk>. <laughs> yeah. That's, a, that's a long story, but we don't need to Deep go into it now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you were, you know, I mean, you guys, you guys were fantastic and looked after me and, and the other people that were there uh, absolutely, absolutely brilliantly. Um, I always remember sort of probably when I was your age going to um, uh, the Hewitt Ben on the corner of uh, Berry Street and Hardman Street, is it? Yeah, no, not Hardman Street. Restaurant, yeah. Um, is it, is it is that Hardman Street? I think it is. Seal Street. No, um, no uh, Berry Street. Berry, Berry Street. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, just just opposite, just opposite, uh, opposite Chinatown. And um, yeah, last time I actually when I when I was when I was in Liverpool and went to your restaurant, we we drove past it, and I was I was delighted to see it was still still going. Yeah, it's the oldest oldest Chinese restaurant in Liverpool, I believe. Um, yeah, and Terry Terry who owns it, it's just been yeah pretty established uh, within the city, within both kind of Chinese community and and the rest of the culinary. Uh, world as well in, in Liverpool, so yeah, fantastic restaurants. There's an incredible duck. You got to try the duck. <laughs> go there next time. Anyone who's listening, yeah, go go and see Terry and, and get the duck because it's it's out of this world. And hopefully, once this all calms down again, I'm going to be going to see Terry myself and see if he'll let me spend the day with him in the kitchens and learn some of his secrets as well. So, okay. so, so you, if you're listening, you... <laughs> <laughs> listen, Terry. That's that's the plan. <laughs> So, so you get the opportunity to go out to a part of China that is sort of um, very much off the beaten track to certainly to tourists. Uh, it's it's a big place. Uh, Tianjin is, is a big place for trade because it's the nearest biggest port um, yeah. to, to to Beijing, and you know Beijing is only sort of about an hour and a half away, isn't it, on that um, very fast train that they have these days? Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But it's like not somewhere where any anywhere anybody would go. So, how, how would how would you describe the food? Um, mind blowing, <laughs> pretty much the <laughs> uh, the first thing that came to my mind. I mean, you, you think you know a cuisine uh, until you actually get out there. And it's probably the same for every single cuisine that we would go out and experience in the UK if you actually yeah. went to the origin to the source of where that food came from it would be completely different we know that's the case for Chinese Indian um, even Italian and, and classic French is quite different to what we experience in this country because it is it's, it's aimed at the market isn't it it is aimed at Brits it's aimed at what we like because that's makes the sales and that keeps the restaurants in business so uh, and, and Chinese food, yeah. At the second uh, I got there, um, my mind was absolutely blown. So the directors of, of Luban actually said, just wait. You, you just wait till you get out there and you'll understand it. Then you can start thinking about menu planning and everything else. But it's absolutely pointless until you've been there and, and sampled it first. So um, Tianjin 
they pride themselves on on their cuisine, um, and they're, they're fiercely proud of it. Um, and there's a lot of kind of gourmet societies and and really high, highly established chefs out there and well respected masters of of their game. Um, so it's it's nice, I suppose. North Chinese food has a lot of heat to it, um, a lot of uh, Szechuan, a lot of chili, um, but it was just phenomenal. Um, you kind of think UK food, salty, sugary, sloppy sauces. Uh, like you said, you think you have an idea until you get there, but it was really fresh, really light. Um, everything was very delicate flavours and everything had a purpose on the plate. There was nothing there that didn't need to be there. Um, and every single element had a, had a particular purpose, whether that was flavour, colour, texture, or it was um, a health benefit. It was actually really healthy food everywhere we ate. Um, yeah, was 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 fantastic. Uh, really healthy and, and, and aimed towards healthy living, healthy mind, healthy body. Um, it was yeah, it was just incredible. I think that's a really important part of Chinese food that um, uh, a lot of people aren't aware of. Is first of all, you know, as you say, it's healthy, um, or a lot of it's healthy. But I think the the really important thing about food in in China is its importance in society. So. It's very important for a family to eat together and to eat together regularly. Um, yeah. And also it's very important in business, isn't it? You, um, you form relationships around a, table, around, around a table eating food rather than sort of around a boardroom um, talking. Yeah. Oh, definitely, yeah. yeah. We, we notice that quite a lot. And even the way that a dining room is set up, the way, the way you sit in the room all depends on uh, the kind of, yeah, the st- your status and your reason for being there and things like that. So, yeah, very much so. Massively part of Chinese culture. Uh, I think it's phenomenal. I think it's really good. I'd love to see all Brits go go back to that a little bit more. Um, very much, yeah, family dining. Uh, but, yeah, absolutely imperative in, in their culture is, is sitting around the dining table with each other. Um it was just yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, did you did you get involved in in many uh, sort of gambe sessions? Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were we were warned about we were warned about gambe before we got there. Um, and Master, Master Wu, who uh, really highly respected chef, who, who became our kind of host for the week while we were there, yeah. he would take us out every night, and and he could drink. So so gambe is effectively cheers but when you do cheers and this could be 12 13 14 times throughout the meal um you have to kind of finish your drink in front of you follow yeah. the lead of whoever does the first gambe um and normally master we used to put it away pretty quickly so yeah there's a lot of sore heads in the morning yeah every it's, morning it's, <laughs> it's it's the equivalent of uh, bottoms up isn't it so yeah um, for those yeah, for those exactly. that don't know it's it's like a, you get given like a, a shot glass or a short glass, um, yeah. and they normally serve uh, rice wine, yeah, which is pretty lethal stuff. And, oh, it's um, like petrol. Yeah, <laughs> you are you're supposed you're supposed to finish it all off in sort of one one go. Yeah, um, and they you go round you go around the table, and it's normally a round table as against. You know, we have square or rectangular tables in in in, in European culture, in Western culture. Yeah. It's normally a round table, and as you say, the 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 head guest sits in, in one particular place, and then you walk, you go around the table, sort of, and in seniority or sort of, it gets less and less senior as you go around around, around the table. Um, it's frowned upon if you don't finish your drink, um, and the biggest no no of all. I'm sure I'm sure you were told this as well. Is you can't substitute your drink for water. Yeah, no, definitely not. No, yeah, um, drink, drink, we found, yeah, we figured this out. We figured this out pretty early, so we made sure there was always beers on the table. So we did have, if we did have to gambe, we would just normally, normally just necking a beer. Although uh, red wine, red <laughs> wine's actually become really popular over in China, and now they are probably the biggest producers of red wine in the world, which most people won't know or or expect. Yeah, pretty much with everything. Uh, once the Chinese set their minds on something, um, yeah, they really go for it. Um, so there was a lot of there was a, yeah, there was a lot of red wine drinking over there as well. Hence the bad yeah. hangovers. 
<laughs> Lots of full dude. glasses of red wine being downed in one, which is never a good idea. Um, yeah, I've, unfortunately, I've been there. And, unfor- mm. and unfortunately, they also like to chill their red, red wine as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is um, obviously... <laughs> To, to, to Western uh, standards, sort of slightly different, slightly different. <laughs> yeah, no, the, um, the The drinking of water around the table, the, the reason why they don't do that uh, is it's considered to be bad luck. Mm-hmm. Um, so any, any and, and uh, sort of luck is, is, is a very important part of business culture. So you, you, do, you don't do anything at all that uh, might create a, bad feelings or bad luck in, in, in the future. It's, it's really, it's, <laughs> but it's such an important part of, uh, of, of Chinese life, as you say. So you, you, you went with this guy, Mr. Wu. Yeah. Um, he took you out to local restaurants and stuff, which is fantastic. Yeah. But then during the day, I guess, once you, when you got up and recovered from your hangover, um, he, he taught you and sort of showed you different techniques. Yes, we went to the uh, we went to the college, which we've kind of uh, were affiliated with that college. Yeah. It's the um, yeah the school of economics and commerce, but they have the the food side. And Master Wu had been there for forty years from a student, uh, and so has become incredibly highly respected and probably trained um, hundreds thousands of apprentices. Uh, and they were scattered across Tianjin running restaurants, and these are big restaurants as well. We're talking a 1,000 people could sit down at once in some of these restaurants. Um, and, yeah, Master Wu was massively respected. Like, people were stopping him on the streets. People, every time we went to any restaurant, people were flocking around him because he was so well-known. <laughs> <laughs> and it was fantastic because, yeah, they are so massively respected for what they do. Once you become a master, and it's the same with a master of um, martial arts or painting or food is held in such high regard out there that, yeah, it's... It was nice to see, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Really nice to see. Um, it's Did massive you... respect for him. So, excellent. Did you get the chance to visit the wet markets? Um, no, no, no. And possibly we'll put that next on the um, on the list when I do manage to get back out there again. There's a lot of stuff I do want to do with them. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's there's so much to do and, and such a little time to do on that on, to do it in on that first on visit. Like that, yeah. It was it was nonstop. It was a hundred mile an hour from stepping off the plane um, till yeah till yeah getting back on the plane again. It was literally I, I felt like we didn't sleep at all. Uh, it <laughs> yeah, was crazy. Definitely. Yeah, it was it was fantastic. But yeah, we did experience um, some smaller markets and, and loads of fresh fruit and whatever else. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll go back for the wet markets. Yeah. Um, I really like to go and I've asked them if I can go to a, a temple as well next time and, and experience some temple food, which is, if you know, is very um, really light balanced. Uh, it's all vegan. Yeah. Um, it's a very different style of cooking altogether that we wouldn't really associate with Chinese food. But um, yeah, I've got an interest in that at the moment. So let's see where they take me. Excellent. I think I think I feel as if I need to start to stand up for the for the Chinese a little bit, especially uh, at this moment in time. Obviously, with COVID nineteen from uh, Wuhan, yeah. and the, and and the thought that it came from you know somebody possibly eating bat, and yeah. certainly it came from from, from a wet market. Um, I, I sometimes think a lot of nonsense is, is, is written about things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason why it came from a wet market is because lots of people go to wet markets because that's how people buy their food. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's true that, one, you know, well, even in Beijing, uh, but it's true certainly once you get out of uh, the tier one cities, the, the, the very, very big cities, that there's still an awful lot of uh, animals li- that are live in the market. Yeah. Yeah. And um, not all of them are killed there and then. Some of them are taken home. Like so, you can buy um, like a plastic bag full of frogs and take them home and deal with them yourself if if you're so inclined. Or yeah. indeed, they'll they'll do it for themselves. But it is it is the most um, for somebody like me who's although obviously I'm not in in your profession who's like massively interested in food, uh, both as somebody to cook but also to consume it. It is such an adventure. Um, and if anybody ever goes out there who listens to this or indeed anywhere in Southeast Asia, um, it's just 
try as much of it as you possibly can. Yeah, and, no, and hygiene is not, I've never found uh, that hygiene is the issue that other people say it is. Yeah. And I think if, as long as you go to somewhere that's very busy and lots of other local people eating at that place, then you're pretty sure that you yourself are not going to get sort of, you know, um, get, get, get sick from eating um, whatever it is that you might eat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. And interestingly <laughs> enough, um, look, I mean, the restaurants I visited, they were the cleanest restaurants I have ever seen in my life. Um, like this was military grade <laughs> cleanliness every single day. Everything had its own place on the shelves and it, and it would never it would never move from there unless it was used. It would go back exactly the same place. Um, yeah, the cleanliness was was was. Yeah, it was it was incredible. Um these were, yeah, kitchens that were doing hundreds of thousands of dishes a day, and they were spotless, absolutely spotless. But a lot of kitchens I've seen over the years to shame, to be honest. So, um, yeah, right. So it's it is taken very seriously over there, and it's it's not a case of oh, God, everything must come from there because it's just not the case at all. Yeah. So, um, and it is. It's going to be difficult. Um, obviously, people, obviously. Sorry, a bit of noise there. Yeah, so sorry. Yeah, I'll just cut that bit out. Um, Yeah. Start again. So we we were saying that that the kitchens out there are extremely clean, that um, they're heavily utilised, so the food that's used there is, is, is always fresh because there's such a high turnover, isn't there? Yeah, there's never anything lying around for long at all. Um, but yeah, I was really impressed with the organisations in the kitchens and how clean and tidy everything was, and it was like military. Um, but then when you saw the college, you understood why. You'd see uh, rows and rows of woks without any heating underneath, uh, without any heating capabilities. And when I asked, well, "What's that for?" That's that's for the first four weeks. You're just learning techniques with the wok like how to move the wok and how to stir the things in the wok without actually using any food so there's four solid weeks where apprentice chefs will just learn how to move move a wok around uh, and build the strength up in the forearms and things like that so very military um and it looked yeah it was amazing the amount of training that goes on amount of training that goes on just to reach the uh, kind of levels of uh, different chefs out there and um, on the way up to master chef status it was, was just incredible to see what, what about what about knife work yeah well that would have come later um in their training but that would have been years worth of training with the with the chinese blades um funny story is on my first day quite blurry eyed after quite a long 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 travel probably 20 hours from start to finish um I was kind of yeah thrust into the college, and then before I knew it, there was a TV crew there to film me, and they basically put a Chinese cleaver in my hand, showed me what to do, and said, "Right, crack on, you're live on Chinese TV." And I was like, "Wow!" <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, Tianjin TV is probably seen by about twelve million people. Um, and on my first day in China, I was yeah recreating some dishes that I'd literally just been shown a few minutes before. With a yeah Chinese blade in my hand and just trying my best not to chop my fingers off in front of the world. So yeah, um, really good, good. But yeah, but but some of the stuff they can do with those blades, absolutely phenomenal. And that's again just years and years of training. training but, um, yeah. yeah, amazing. I, I have I don't use any other blades now. I just use my Chinese blade and practice and practice and practice since uh, yeah since China. So yeah, it's really it's really it, useful. It, it, is the balance, mm. isn't it? it, it it's that they're, they're so perfectly made that even though they're, yeah. they're actually quite quite heavy compared to like European knives, but the, the balance make, makes them very very e- well not very easy to use, but with practice easy to use. And yeah, and that's right. Be, you can be very look, very delicate. They, yeah, they, they look they look bulky and clunky like a meat cleaver, but they're really not. They're razor sharp and they're a lot lighter than a meat cleaver. Um, yeah. And different parts of the knife are used for different things. And, uh, yeah, that's, it's a really useful tool once you start, like, learning, once you start to master it. 
Uh-huh. I mean, it's possibly years and years before I could say I could, I've mastered the Chinese blade, but um, yeah, we'll keep trying. <laughs> I've not lost any fingers so far, so I think yeah, we're all right. You still put your fingers up and you've still got uh, eight fingers and two, and two thumbs, yeah? Yeah. So this no, is, one, one of the things that you, you've done recently uh, as a result of, of the lockdown is um, this uh, Friday night cooking thing. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry, I, don't, I, I can't remember. Is that part of Lids or is that part of Luban? Uh, it is a Luban product. Um, Luban Cooks is something that we kind of had in the pipeline already. And it was something right. that we were starting to develop. Uh, and then when COVID came, obviously, it was like, well, we might as well launch it now because we can't do anything else. We've had to close the restaurant. Um, but I used Lids, which we'll come on to shortly, the online supermarket I created um, to obviously distribute and, and sell the product, which was the Luban product. And it's a Luban Cooks cook-at-home kit, effectively. And you get all the uh, sachets, sauces, and seasonings in a box and then you just need to um, get yourself the kind of protein and veg or noodle or whatever else that, that goes with that week's box. Uh, get that, bring it home, and then I do a, a, like a live cook-along on a Friday night, and I'll normally bring an interesting character from Liverpool um, uh, just to join the party, basically. So, And it was fantastic. I mean, people were in lockdown. People didn't really know what to do. People were missing interaction with people. So what we did bring to them was something a little bit different, um, a little bit interesting, and a little bit of social interaction, which I thought went really well. Um, And we had the likes of um, Simon Ross, the DJ. We've had uh, Speedo Mick. He was fantastic. (laughs) <laughs> um, Johnny Bon Johnny Bongo. Um, so some top top blues, by the way. Yeah, we had some, we had some, uh, yeah, some some se- semi famous blues on there. Speedo Mick was was an absolute legend. And, and, and um, as was about, everyone. Uh, Speedo Mick with a, with a Chinese blade in his hands is sort of yeah quite, quite yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Didn't disappoint. He was wearing his blue speedos. Um, it was fantastic. Yeah, it was really, really good to see him um, after his, he did the big walk earlier in the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he um, a very special guy. Yeah, he is absolutely phenomenal guy. So, uh, yeah, we've had we've had a whole host of, of guests on as well. We've had uh, James Sutton from um, Brookside, and we've had yeah a few of the radio presenters, and we've got a few more lined up for the next few weeks. And we just thought it would bring something a little bit different. Um, yeah, and it was it's gone really well. And we've also shown people how to cook uh, some really traditional Chinese dishes. So yeah, it was really successful. Really enjoyed it. So, so what 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 type of dishes were you asking people to cook or showing people to cook rather? Um, yeah, so we've done. We've obviously we've done some kind of classics that people would expect, but we've done. Um, we did sticky ribs this week, um, and um, obviously people would order this from from a restaurant. Um, but they wouldn't necessarily know the work that goes into it. And it was three hours cooking them ribs to make sure they're really soft and tender yeah. and then glazing them with a the sauce afterwards. Uh, but there's been all kinds. We've done like, um, yeah, barbecued pork belly. That was incredible. Slow roasted and then finished off either on a barbecue or under a grill. Um, yeah, we've done, some, we've done some really good stuff, actually. Um, we've done a couple of stir-fried rices, uh, a few noodle dishes, uh, interestingly enough, when I was out in Tianjin, I actually didn't get served rice once in any of the restaurants. So, uh-huh. um, so we kind of mirrored that, and people are constantly saying, "Well, where's the rice? Where's the rice? Where's the rice?" And we're like, "Well, to be fair, rice is more of a home, homely dish that that would feed the family at home, but as a restaurant dish, you wouldn't really see it because it's considered a, a kind of cheap, a cheap food." So. In a restaurant, you wouldn't expect to be served it unless you particularly asked for it. Um, and, and that's what we kind of try to follow. So we've done plenty of dishes, but only, only a couple of rices have popped up because, yeah, I mean, we want to break down that stereotype that everything's just with rice, everything's just with noodle. <laughs> uh, loads of fresh greens was what we had over in, in Tianjin. So most boxes come with, like, um, yeah, some some beautiful uh, spiced greens or just the, the like, your green beans in garlic, which is really classic, uh, or roasted cauliflower we've done as well. Um, so, yeah, we, 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 we've done some fantastic dishes, chicken skewers, um, using a really interesting ingredient called uh, fermented bean paste, which... yeah, yeah. 
you just don't get it until you taste it and you're like, wow, what is that? And your taste buds are telling you, I have no idea what this is. But I like it. It's nice. Um, it's, um, so yeah. it, it's, uh, what, it's umami, isn't it? it, it yeah, that's, very that's much umami. That's the best way to describe it. It's that savoury element that we don't really understand that much. Asian cooking's full of it, yeah. Salt, yeah. spice, uh, um, sweet, acid. And then there's umami as well, which is the savoury element, which is... Almost it's like incredible. a very strong Parmesan cheese, if you know what I mean. Sort of, not, yes, yeah. Not in not in terms of flavour, but in terms of um of what it the actually feeling. Is in your mouth. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The feeling in the mouth, yeah, or a really like uh, strong flavoured mushroom or something like that. Yeah, you get yeah, that umami, yeah. that saviness from it. Yeah, so. Um, but yeah, we've done some we've done some cracking dishes, and we'll, we'll slip in the occasional kind of British classic. Yeah, so a salt and pepper chicken we did one week as well. Um, and we've done, yeah, we'll do a crispy chili beef one day just because people know that they, they like it. Um, so we can show people how to cook that at home and, and make it a little bit more healthy for them as well. Sounds, sounds fantastic. And, and I mean, generally speaking, how many people would tune into this? Have you any idea? Yeah, I mean, we do on, on the Zoom, on the live Zoom, anyone who's bought the box um, gets access to the live kind of Zoom. A session where you can kind of interact, join in, ask questions, uh, speak to the guest, speak to me. Uh, and we're probably getting about 20 people joining the Zoom each week. Wow, um, but then we also, we, yeah, we also put it out on Facebook and we also put it out on Instagram. So there's probably a fair few hundred people that are watching it and tuning in. Um, and, we, and we think that's been, yeah, really good. Like I said, something different for people to experience and see and do. I, I, I've got an yeah, idea so. for you. Uh, spring a surprise on you, okay? Uh, and it yeah. it ties into what we wanted to talk about with regards to football. Yeah, I yeah, wonder, yeah. I wonder, I wonder if perhaps for charity we might be able to get like Jurgen Klopp and um, Carlo Angelotti to do a cook-off with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On Zoom. Definitely, that would be fantastic if we could. Uh, it'd be absolutely incredible. Uh, I think we talked in the past that I'd love to see Liverpool and Everton as a as football clubs working a lot more together and doing a lot more stuff together. Um, I, I feel it's necessary at the moment, um, especially with what we've seen this week. I'd love to see that kind of coming together of two two big powerhouses in the city, um, and hopefully a lot of the uh, supporters from both sides can kind of come together a bit more as well. Yeah. But you, yeah, you, you made, if you they're out there and they're listening, does anyone can make that happen? <laughs> <laughs> I think it'd be, I, I think it would be fantastic. You you yeah. made a very good you made a very good point to me um, when we were sort of chatting about uh, what we might talk about, and it the thing that stuck stuck with me, and it's something I'm aware of, but I hadn't thought about it for ages, is that Liverpool Liverpool people need to stick together. Yeah, yeah, no, massively so. Like I said, there was events that happened this week, and they were they were pretty horrible. Obviously, Liverpool have won won the league this this uh, this week, which was phenomenal as a red. And I know the majority of your audience is blue, and I've got a lot of respect for Everton. Um, and that should have been an amazing experience. And what's happened is some idiots have gone out and caused some trouble and set off fireworks and everything else, which which is one thing and completely. Um, completely wrong uh, and absolutely the wrong way to go about things but it was the response, it was the horrible response I was reading we, we've taken a lot of flack as a city over years and years from, from various parts of the country and it was just the the in-house squabbling amongst ourselves is what's upset me the most I think um, and, and point scoring between red and blue and everything else like that and it's just like you know what, as a city we get enough of that from outsiders um, so yeah, I'd love to see. I'd love to see some projects going on. Uh, I am working on something in the background at the moment that should bring red and blue together for the greater good. Uh, and hopefully we can just yeah get back to coming together again. COVID should have been a time where we all come together and looked after each other, and it was happening. It was happening. Families were coming together again. People spending far more time together because they kind of they were forced to effectively during lockdown but um some good was coming from it and then i just think a few idiots and it's all we're divided again and it's just like come on guys really there's bigger things at 
play. There's bigger issues happening. Um, yeah, so definitely like to see a bit more red and blue interaction and, and yeah, slowing down this division between us at the moment. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully that can happen. Hopefully I think I think happen. it needs I think it needs uh, two things, um, David. I think it needs it needs leadership from yep. people who've got high profiles. Um, yeah, yeah, and it, yeah, yeah, and it and it needs like the good people, the people that we probably ninety five percent of the fan base of both clubs. Yeah, um, it needs everybody to say, you know, okay, enough is enough, and um, what's yeah. gone is what's gone is gone. Let's not build on. Um, the bad experience of the last few days. Let's look to a better time and a time, uh, frankly, that the city and the football clubs really need to work very hard in order to get back some of the damage from 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 the COVID um, yeah. experience. Obviously, we well, it could have been handled better, but let's not go. Let, let's let's not look at it from that perspective. The fact that the pandemic came along. Uh, yeah. has a massive impact for Liverpool because Liverpool's economy has grown on the back of the visitor economy. So people coming here for bi- coming for business, coming here for weekends, for family events, weddings, stag nights, whatever. Uh, it's it's grown heavily on the back of that. It's grown heavily on the back of retailing with the success of Liverpool One, and they're actually the two areas that are probably most affected by yeah. uh, by what's yeah, happened yeah. with COVID and what's going to be happened in the future. And, and unless the city uh, comes together, the possible impact is going to be even greater. I mean, I'm a bit older than you. I, I was brought up in, in, in the late 70s and early 80s when, you know, Conservative government, Margaret Thatcher in particular, destroyed the city. There were other reasons, yeah. but predominantly their economic um, policies destroyed, destroyed our city. And whilst it won't be government that destroys mm. the city this time, it's the pandemic. I'd hate to see all, all the good stuff that's happened in the last sort of 10, 15 years uh, yeah, be destroyed or made worse yeah. by people yeah. acting stupidly. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely, definitely. We've come we've come such a long way um, and it has been that kind of siege mentality. It has been we're all against. It's us versus the rest of the country a lot of the time. It is. Um, yeah, so... So I just think if we can, yeah, the the actions of a few shouldn't shouldn't tar everybody. Um, yeah. I think well, we spoke briefly, and I was I was absolutely devastated uh, about what was going on over the last couple of days. And it was more the fact that yeah, senior people like we said in the city with huge followings and, and massive sway were just throwing. Uh, they were throwing the kind of yeah the, the timber on the fire. It was stoking it up. It was making it a massive deal. It was luck. We were right about this type of person, and you're like, "Wow, this is these are friends, family. That's your neighbours you're talking about." Um, and I just went on. A, I was just. I tried not to get involved because I was I was that upset about it. Um, I just kind of unfollowed loads of people. Reds, blues, didn't didn't matter. Anyone that was stoking the flames. Um, I was just like, "This this shouldn't be happening, guys. It's not about point scoring between each other." Reds and blues, yeah, the same people. We're all the same people. Do you know what I mean? It's like you're saying, oh, reds, look at the reds doing this. and oh, Look at the blues. And it's just like, you know what? You're all the same people. We're all scousers. We're all from this city. I think I said to you, well, I love I love my, I love Liverpool Football Club, but I love my city more than I love my football club. Um, if it came down to it, do you know what I mean? I'd, I'd much prefer my family and my friends and people to be successful. Uh, than, than a football club, I think there's bigger things at play. There's, there's a lot more going on at the moment, and yeah, we just need to keep a sight of what's important. Um, yeah, yeah. So hopefully, we can stick together, we can come together, and uh, we can make some difference in the city and, and look after each other. And you've made a big difference um, for a lot of people with your work with um, the organisation that you set up, Lids. Do you want to talk a little bit about Lids? Yeah, so uh, Lids has been running for 12 weeks now. Um, as soon as lockdown started to occur, uh, the restaurants were told to start closing. Um, we, as Luban Restaurant, we went out and we delivered all the food that was in our fridges and freezers. We knew it wasn't going to go anywhere. Um, 
we, we wanted to make a difference with it. So we, we donated it out everywhere. We called homeless shelters, um, food banks. We took it to food projects that were feeding people. And then I kind of got home and sat down. And I, do you know what? I've never had a, I can't remember ever having more than a couple of days off in my life. So I <laughs> brain started going. How can we help people? What can we do? Uh, I was looking around and seeing stuff was missing in supermarkets. Everyone was panic buying. Um, and I just called around a few of the local suppliers that I knew, and they were a bit lost. It was like, we're about to lose the entire restaurant trade. What, what do we do? And uh, after speaking to a few of them, we decided, right, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to band together and we're going to we're gonna sell our produce to people at home. Do you know what I mean? We're going to change the business model and we're going to get food out to people at home uh, who couldn't access them, who either couldn't get to supermarkets or, yeah, were shielding or old and vulnerable and couldn't get what they needed. And we, we uh, got food out to kind of nursing homes and all those people that we said previously and then people who just wanted to get food from their local businesses rather than spending money in supermarkets where the money's going to disappear out the city so lids was formed effectively we created a website uh, we got some local traders on there with uh, fantastic reputations already within the kind of independent scene uh, some real quality, quality ingredients, quality producers on there. Um, and we created almost an online independent supermarket with, with Liverpool suppliers. And it was the whole emphasis was about keeping money in the local economy, uh, supporting the independent guys because they never went away. They didn't close the doors. They didn't um, fail all the staff. Um, they stayed open and they carried on trading to make sure people had food, whether it be bread, meat, fish, or whether it was beers, because, I mean, beer, wine, all that kind of stuff is still part of life. <laughs> you want to be able to have a <laughs> cake and, and a glass of wine every now and then, do you know what I mean? Imagine, imagine lockdown without any of those like, luxuries as well. So we were doing essentials, we were doing luxuries, and we're still going. We're still going strong now. Um, as lockdown eases, it's quietened off a little bit, but we're still there uh, feeding those who need us to feed them. Um, and then using profits that we made from that, we managed to set up uh, or help to set up a community project called Nolesley Kitchen, where we um, we basically use our suppliers to create these boxes of fresh fruit, vegetables. We put recipe cards in and we go and get them out into the communities where they're really needed. So, I saw a lot of stuff going on around the city, um, and, and I live in Knowlesley at the moment, um, and I decided Knowlesley, which is really terribly funded as a council, uh, it's probably one of the poorest councils in the country, um, decided that my, my attention was probably best focused there. So we've been delivering, we've probably done about 600, 600 fresh fruit and veg boxes out to families in the area uh, with recipes, with a couple of videos as well for them. And the idea is it's real food for real people rather than a food bank handout, uh, which could be anything. Depends what you get in that day. It could be dried pasta. It could be tin peaches. It could be whatever. We wanted to be able to give people the option to, to build meals and, um, yeah, and give them stuff that they might not have access to normally, which is really fresh fruit and vegetables, again, from our local suppliers. So, And it's been really um, gratifying. Yeah, we've probably done about 300 to 400 pack lunches as well out for the for the um, children. And we aim to keep that going as long as we possibly can, um, especially with school summer holidays and the kind of uh, the stigma around food poverty over the holidays. We, we want to have something there in place ready for when that arrives as well and just support as many people as we can in the process. Wow, that, that, that's amazing. I, I, I'm always staggered by the idea that there's so many people in uh, British society who can't afford to put a meal on the table at lunchtime because the kids are home from school rather than being at school. Yeah, it's in, crazy, in, isn't it? In, in, a, in a country that's this, you know fifth or sixth wealthiest country in the world, um, we're going back to you know like Victorian times in terms of as you say, uh, food poverty and genuine poverty uh, for for children and it, it's a it's an absolute disgrace and politicians around the country should hang their heads in shame. Yeah, uh, there's a lot they've got a lot to answer for. I mean, we, we may be the top five or six richest countries, but there's only a very small percentage you were seeing that. 
that's, that's, that's well, the problem. Huge, right? Yeah, huge amounts of society that aren't seeing that at all, which is really worrying. So, and we've known that for a while. Let's be honest: the rich are getting richer, and the uh, the poor are getting poorer. And that's unfortunately the the situation we are in at the moment. Yeah, food banks were meant to be a one-year project, and they're now nine years strong, uh, busier than they've ever been before. That's just crazy, absolutely crazy. And, and, um, and the, but hopefully, yeah. Go on, yeah. sorry. No, I just, I just, th- their existence allows yeah. government to get away with doing the things that it should do. That's not to say yeah. that the food banks shouldn't be there, because they need to be there, because there's nothing yeah. else in, in their place. But the idea that because there's a, there's an established food bank um, system, I think I think a lot of politicians use that as a reason then for not doing the things that they ought to have done in the first place. Yeah, no, definitely. There's almost a solution that someone else has come and done. I mean, you only have to look at the likes of uh, what Marcus Rashford's done these last couple of weeks. Um, to know that there is a big problem and, and we're grateful that Marcus has actually used his, his profile to um, t- to highlight that there is a lot of issues that people don't want to talk about because, yeah. Um, and we could do with a few more. We need some of the local lads. So, as I said, I told you I was working on something. I have got something in the pipeline which um, I'm hopefully some of the local boys will jump on board with Everton, do great stuff in the community. Uh, I've been working with Red Neighbours as well. They've been doing some good stuff for us. And we've got a little project that we're building at the moment to try and tackle some of these issues. Um, and, yeah, again, I'll keep going back to I'd love to see Everton in the, in the community working with Red Neighbours. This is something that affects all of us. Um, and I'd love to see Red and Blues working together on this together. So... If we can get hold of some of the local lads, uh, yeah, we'll see if they can throw some support behind it. And, um, yeah, we might be able to make a difference. So, yeah, really looking forward to that as well. That's good. I mean, the, the food banks already work together, don't they? Um, so you, yeah. Food, yeah. It, is, it isn't partisan in any sense. And, you know, people like Dave Kelly and people uh, over on the Liverpool side um, just do a fantastic job. A job that they shouldn't really have to do, but they no, do it because yeah. they do have to do it, which, yeah. um, you know, is, is very sad. Listen, mate, we've been talking for um, 45 minutes or more. Um, yeah, probably a bit longer, I think, we've been chatting away. <laughs> it's really, I, I'm fascinated by, um, by what you're doing uh, in terms of re- regional Chinese cooking, which is, mm-hmm. you know, is brilliant but all the other work that you're doing as well is, is is really cool as well and i think you um i think you epitomize what um what what's the best in liverpool people you're not you're not just sitting there taking benefits for yourself you're actually looking to use your skills and yeah. you've got lots of skills not just cooking but other skills as well skills to motivate people to do things and you're using them for the benefit of other people which is fantastic so not that it's my job to thank you, but uh, for, for me, uh, just to thank you for the work that you do. No, well, that's 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 very good of you to do that. Yeah, I just I, I just like to do what I can, um, and I think it's the right thing to do. So, I think someone said to me the other day, it's 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 very hard to actually do the right thing rather than the easy thing or what you think is right. Um, but for me, yeah, I, I saw an issue and I wanted to do something about it. I've been very lucky in my life and in my career. I've never really had to worry about where my next meal's coming from unless unless I've been working that hard and there's nothing in the cupboards when I get home. That's really <laughs> the hardest. That's really the hardest thing I have to do. But as I said, I, I'm, I'm lucky in that respect. Um, so, yeah, more than happy to try and help help others. I think that's that's something that we can take from these last 12 weeks. It's been vitally important as people coming together and helping out other people so and i've seen a lot of it and i wouldn't like the uh i wouldn't like the last few days to tarnish what i know liverpool's about um yeah so look for the positives guys don't uh don't 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 dwell on the uh on the rubbish that divides us yeah I, there's, I, always I, idiots. there's always idiots out there isn't he but there's a heart of gold in the city and i love it i absolutely love it so it yeah, is and I, you know I, I i've been lucky enough to be able to travel uh quite quite extensively uh, over the years and you only ever have to say that you're from Liverpool and you normally get an extraordinary welcome yeah and and the reason why you get that welcome is because of all the Liverpool people that have been to that location before you 
and people in different parts of the world recognize the quality of people or rather the qualities of people from Liverpool yeah. and it's uh, it's up to us to continue first of all to continue that tradition but secondly um, to use those qualities to the benefit of our own people yeah no definitely I completely agree completely concur with that it's amazing isn't it you'll always have a find a scouser out there or you'll yeah you'll be you'll be treated <laughs> be treated really nicely because a scouter has come before you and they've left a good impression. So, uh, I mean, I must have done that out in China because I've been I've been invited to be uh, one of Master Wu's apprentices. In fact, not one of them. I'm going to be his final apprentice, which I'm not sure um, any Westerner has ever been asked to be in that role before. Um, so that is going to be a really exciting chapter for me as well. And that's that's only because I must have come across pretty well over in, in, in China and it's a massive uh, a massive big deal uh, for me certainly so um, yeah the scouts the scouts charm works guys <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I know from my own experience they don't and they don't suffer fools no, um, no, they're, they're, they're very yeah. particular in terms of I must, I must have slipped through the net. No. <laughs> no, no, look, they're, they're very particular in terms of who they do business with and yeah. uh, personality, uh, loyalty, integrity is uh, is a big part of um, the decision-making process out there. I know, I, I know that from my own experience. So for you to have been able to have done that in a specialised area such as food and cooking is, is amazing. Mate, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Um, no, I hope no, everybody who's listened to this. Uh, has enjoyed it. I hope they know a little bit more about the work that you're doing. Um, where where can people find you on social media? Uh, everywhere. No, I've I've worked hard on there to kind of build a profile, but just so I can I can I can steer people towards uh, Norsley Kitchen uh, and towards a restaurant I work at. But yeah, Twitter, Instagram, um, Facebook on there. Chef Dave Critchley. And yeah, please, please have a look. Uh, see if it's something that you'd be interested in. Is that local Chinese food? We all we all have our favourites. We all love our shumais, and we all love uh, salt and pepper chicken and things like that. But there's, and we do have nods to them on the menu as well. Because I couldn't I couldn't write a Chinese menu without not having those elements in there. So yeah, <laughs> hopefully people will yeah get behind us. Follow me on social media. See what we're up to. Uh, and get down to Luban as well at some point. And obviously, any any support on the lid site as well means we can help more people out in the community through uh, Knowsley Kitchen. So, I would be very very happy if uh, yeah people could use all those services. That would be amazing. Brilliant, Dave. Thanks very much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much.